Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. Hey, Chris. It's so good to be back. I know we've taken a couple of weeks off because we had travel. Sometimes it's hard to record a podcast when you're on the road, but I really missed it because, man, there's a lot going on with the Chiefs. I know the Super Bowl is in your neck of the woods uh, this week, so I know you have that to look forward to. I do. Of course, I do as well. We're going to talk about football in a little bit, but first, I want to talk about New Orleans. Have you been to New Orleans? Yeah, actually, that's where I proposed to my wife, was in New Orleans. That's right. I proposed to her um, 11 years ago. This coming December, but where, where not, did you do that in New Orleans? We did it at the butterfly exhibit right there on Canal Street in the federal okay. building. So right across from the Sheridan at the federal building right there downtown, just outside of the quarter. So you just had to make sure there's no vomit there on the ground when you're kneeling and then you're, we you're fine. Inside. Good to go. We were inside the butterfly exhibit where I had to pass through a metal. De- See, funny story. Now that you brought it up because it was in a federal building, you have to go through a metal detector. I okay. had the, I had the ring in my pocket to propose to my <laughs> wife. So there I am with the security guard who wasn't exactly friendly towards me, but that's, I, I get it. You're a, you're a federal security guard in a building where there's a lot of homeless people trying to come in and do sorts of stuff, right? But is what it is. I'm trying to explain to him in a low enough voice to where my then girlfriend does not hear that I plan to propose in this building. Okay. And he was, he was cool. Like I pulled the ring out of my pocket, all shady. Like, like I was going for a gun and I pulled it out and I showed him the ring and then I closed it back up and I put it back in my pocket and he was cool with it. He thought it was really cool, but, but I just remember being so terrified of going through that metal detector because (laughs) I had this, I mean, it's essentially right. It's a metal ring in your pocket and they're gonna be like, why, why do you have the ring? Sir, could you please step out of line for a pat down, please? Could you explain what this is in your pocket? And I'm gonna be like. Way, way to make me propose at the metal detector. You should have. If that had right. happened, that would have gone viral. A proposal right there with security all draped around you. Hey, would you marry me? Right. A, I'm all cuffed behind my back. In. I love you, baby. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That would have been classic. That would have yeah. been a viral moment. That yeah, would have been great. It, it's good the metal detector went off. I mean, that would have been mm-hmm. a bad time to learn. It was a fake ring. <laughs> First off, do I? True. True, true. I was like in my third year of law school. Like it, true. I didn't have yes. a lot of money. No, all right. Well, hey, New Orleans is the place apparently for love. I guess I, I don't know. I I've always known New Orleans is a place for food. That's yes. where I go to get. Oh, it's, it's my favorite place to go to eat food. I just love New Orleans food. So I mm. attended this this conference of lawyer educators there, and and mm-hmm. that's always interesting when you do a conference. It, it's its own world. And oh, yeah. Chris, there's this awkward moment. I was going to get your thoughts on how to get out of this awkward moment. You're kind of my couch therapist here. I, every week I, I have my issues. I come and you can help set me straight. But um, how, how do you get out of this awkward situation where you're you're at a conference and it's at a, you know, it's, it's a cocktail party or networking and things like that. And there's another person that you're talking to. And then you soon realize Oh, you're dead to me. I, right. I don't need you. I'm never going to do business with you. You you don't hire people like me. And so you want to break that off as soon as you can. What's the polite way to do that? Wow. Um, usually I like see somebody I know across the room be like, oh, I haven't seen this guy in forever. I'll talk to you later. Great talk. And then go and like, I'll find you in the room, Joel. I'll be like, oh, it's Joel. Oh, I gotta go talk to Joel. Or I'll find Stuart, right? I'll find all the guys that we know, like at this conference and be like, oh, I need to go talk to them. Or like, I'll be like, oh, my phone's vibrating. And like, I'll be like, oh, it's my wife. I gotta take this. And then I'll kind of like walk over and I'll be like, I'll catch you later. And usually that, that ends the conversation. I have a harder issue now that I have the Apple Watch because you can see when it rings on the Apple Watch. So if I'm like, my phone's ringing and they're looking at my watch and it's not vibrating, the smarter person would be like, uh, so why isn't your watch ringing? Busted. I, I just right. don't want to talk to you. Let's just call right. it what it is. It's not you. It's me. Uh, and right. we just need to break up this relationship. It's been going on right. too long now. We need to break it up. Well, I need to get out of here. You don't know where that person is also going to be in like three years. Like they could be somebody who is completely useless to you. And then they could get a they could get a job at like the state bar of Arizona, Good and you point. and you don't want to be the guy that like left that rude conversation because then they'll right. never hire you for the state bar of Arizona to right. come do your your CLEs. 
But the reality is if you're networking, you yeah. want to meet as many people as possible. But if you're right. even if you're talking to a cool person and it's going well, still you gotta at some point say, We gotta break things up here. Right. I wanna meet other people. I wanna see right. other people. And so we gotta end this relationship and move on and mingle out there. It's just right. it's just kind of awkward to do. But my my worst story is, Chris, from this trip, and I like to share these travel trips as a way to educate the listeners. Mm-hmm. I love this. And, and I'm gonna give you a tip on how to uh, something to be worry weary about when you're a traveler mm-hmm. and you're also cheap. And I don't know why I am so cheap on the road. It's just it's just who I am. Right, and Chris. I want to be better, but I'm not a better man. I am just cheap. Uh, for example, I um, <laughs> if I'm going down and I, I stop off and get some gas and I pay, let's just say three oh nine for a gallon of gas, mm-hmm. and the next exit down I found I found out it's three oh four. Pissed. Mm-hmm. My trip is almost ruined. I mean, I can't get over. I wasted a quarter or five cents a gallon. I probably put in 10. That's 50 cents. Right. No, I, true story. Megan and I, my wife, Megan and I were driving from Houston back to Phoenix one day and we were driving and we really needed to stop to get gas. And so we stopped at this like loves trailer, whatever stop, paid the gas. I don't remember what the gas prices was, but literally over the hill on the other side of the hill was a Bucky's. And I was, oh. it ruined it. And this was like four of them. We were like maybe 10 miles into our trip and it ruined it. Like if I just would have waited that extra mile or pulled out my phone and looked to see where the nearest Bucky's was, I would have gone to a Bucky's and started okay, my Chris, day right. Chris, I'm going to have to call BS right now. I'm just going to have to oh. say I'm never driving with you. Clearly you are the most inattentive right. driver right. in the history nope. of drivers. I, I just found out about Bucky's. Owned it. it was, They're it an amazing place. They do. Right? I love Bucky's. Absolutely. Amazing! They are the WalMarts of gas stations. They yep. are huge and and they're wonderful. But you know what? Also, they're not subtle. No subtlety is not lost on these guys. And no, so there will be signs for a hundred miles out saying Bucky's are coming right up the next exit, one hundred miles of Tampa Road. No, How did you miss the one hundred signs? There was no signs. That was the thing. Like no, it, no, no. You, Chris, you got to drive with your eyes open. Did you realize First that? Off. First off, Joel. I am going to, this is my hill to die on. Like there were no, like I pay very close attention because my wife is asleep a hundred percent of the time while we're driving. Like we are pulling out of the driveway and she's already asleep again. Literally there were no signs. I was looking for signs. I was literally looking for signs for gas stations as a whole because I saw that the gas light was on, but I literally was looking specifically for Bucky's and there was no signs until we got up over the hill and there it was, and it was like, it was like straight out of like, like gospel truth, like you come up the hill and it's like this beautiful glowing location, this palace oh, to yeah. gas stations. Like there, I was so pissed. It ruined the, the rest of the 18 hour drive back. I was I kicking myself that. the entire time. Bucky's are an amazing place. I should have stopped anyways and got some jerky or something. <laughs> you still stop. Oh, of course. Yeah, and because you got to use those bathrooms. They advertise those bathrooms. They are an amazing place to use the restroom. I mean, I, I'll go drink some coffee there just so I can use the restroom. It's, it's right. an amazing place. Oh, the uh, wall but, of soda? Oh, amazing. amazing. Talk about a, a, a side detour here. Uh, so I am cheap when I'm on the road, and I, yes. I don't know why I am. I just am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I get to the, the hotel, and I call them up because I'm driving to um to this hotel which is you know in the arch district there in, uh, mm-hmm. in new orleans yeah, yeah, yeah. and parking is 45 dollars a night five to park your car chris are, are, are you responding to this or are you <laughs> is that like normal for you oh my head hurts 40 yeah you know what? you're not gonna want to pay 45 dollars a night i have found in past visits to new orleans you can't park on the street and it's right. free if you find the right spot there, but you got to be a little bit concerned about that. It's it is New Orleans after all. And so I, I went drive, I was driving around the, the district there, um, you know, which right there near the French quarters, right. looking for parking alternatives. I did not want to spend $45 to park. And so I found just down the block, there was this other parking spot was for the cruise ships, but they also would let you park there if you weren't with the cruise ships. Right. And it was $25. So I'm thinking, all right. All right. That, that's Half. not the cheapest, but it's not 45 right? Right. Right. So I'm going to save some money. I'm going to park in this parking lot that is just down the, the block from, from the Marriott. So again, wow. I'm doing this to save a couple bucks, right? Right. Okay. So 
Uh, I go to leave, and I'm going to leave around 9 o'clock at night because I was going to try to get down the road. I had to go to South Carolina. And so I go to get my car, and I can't find my parking ticket. I lost my parking ticket. I know what I did. I always leave my parking ticket in the car. I took it with me thinking that sometimes you got to bring your parking ticket you know, and pay downstairs before you, you know, exit with your car. So I, I somehow mm-hmm. I brought it with me a couple of days before. I set it down in my hotel room. Apparently, I threw it away. I had no parking ticket. Chris, do you know how much it costs when you lose your parking ticket? It's like 100 bucks. Are you sitting down? You I are am. sitting down. I, you could see me perfectly fine. $250. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I was just trying to save a couple bucks and not paying $250 to get my car. I had no idea what to do. So I don't know. So I, I go to the parking <laughs> attendant. I said, I can't pay $250. Here's my receipt to the, the Marriott. You can see what I got here. I was just here for a couple of days. I can't pay 250 bucks. He says, sir, if I let you, let you yeah. out, they're going to fire me. I can't do you want, you want me to get fired. I said, no, I don't want you to get fired, but is there something we can do? He calls his manager. He says, here, talk to my manager. So I talked to his mm-hmm. manager. I explained the situation. He goes, well, let me come up here and I'll, I'll see what I can do. So he leaves his house, drives over to the, this parking garage. He meets me. I explained to him what was going on. And Chris, this is what he did. He said, okay, you know what? Okay, it's fine. Uh, how, how long were you here? I said, you know, a couple days. He goes, okay, it's about 50 bucks. You know what? I, I can't take a card though because I just got to punch it in. So you need to give me cash for it. Oh, man. So I give I him love 60 me some bucks New cash. You know what he did with that 60 bucks of cash? Right in his pocket. Right in his pocket. Right in Hey. <laughs> and then he let me out. Capitalism. Capitalism. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. I'm here for this. Absolutely true story. So I did not pay that $250. I ended up paying the normal amount, though I'm not sure if the parking company got any of that money. I'm not worried about it. Not even, not even in this. Dude, that's my man. That is my <laughs> man right. You should have slipped him a, a little tip, too. Should have gave him a little, like, 10 I bucks. Did. Yeah. See? I gave him three twenties, and so he got the ten bucks cash. There extra. you go. There, no, he got all he got all sixty bucks right there in his pocket. Right, right. You right, never exactly. Just so you know, Joel, there's no there's no record of you parking there at all. You weren't <laughs> there even there. No record. Nothing. Nope. Yeah. Homeboy just. How am I gonna claim that as a tax deduction? Uh, my sixty dollar tip to you know Frank right. or whatever his name was. Right. Nothing. Hey. You gotta, you're gonna eat that, but at least you're not eating two fifty plus the fee. To get yeah. into the the parking lot, so and I will tell you on his way over, I did a I pulled a little trick that I have tried before, and it, it maybe it worked this time. I don't know, uh, but I changed my shirt to my Chiefs hoodie, and people when they see me wearing a Chiefs hoodie, okay. I, I kid you not, in the airport they will come up to me and congratulate me. I was like, what did I do? I put a hoodie on. Why does that need congratulations? But yep. I thought it's a conversation starter. The Chiefs are going to play in the Super Bowl here right. next week. And so, yeah, he talked about, hey, Kelsey, make sure he has a great game. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a good word in with, with Travis for you. Yeah, you I, know got you. I, I got you. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're closer to Travis Kelsey now than you've been in years past. Speaking of Travis Kelsey, and what a great way to what great great segue. So the Super Bowl is, is right. on, and uh, it's literally it's right here this week. It's literally right here. Like, and when you I'm, say right here, let me understand what that means because I've read in the news that mm-hmm. it's going to be in Glendale, Arizona, and I know yep. you live right there. But I thought you're a hermit and you're refusing to get out of your house. So what proof do you have that the Super Bowl is happening in your neighborhood? So. Trying to look out, my, I can't. I have my ear ear puzzled. in. So the Super Bowl. I'm in downtown Phoenix. My office, where we're broadcasting from this lovely day, is here in downtown Phoenix. The entire Super Bowl experience is happening outside my office right now. We're right next to the convention center. We're right next to the footprint center. We're right next to Chase Field, where the entire Super Bowl experience is happening. So right you're now. there, Li- literally. Like, if if you're watching at home, right? There's a window right here. Right here, there's a window. If you look out this window, you will see the Super Bowl experience happening right here. Oh, Chris, the school I'm is the school is going virtual for Thursday and Friday, so that way, as employees, if we don't want to, we don't have to drive down into this mess, because literally all the streets are closed off around here. So you have to have your badge, you have to have your your employee ID to be able to breach the gate to drive in to come and park under our building. Like there is serious, like. There, the expectation is there's going to be a million people here this week. Wow. 
like a million people coming through doing everything that you Glendale from where I'm at right here Glendale is like 30 minutes west of downtown okay. Phoenix but there's nothing there there's I mean there's there's like an Applebee's and like three Buffalo Wild Wings like that's without okay. and and State Farm Stadium where the the event is happening but it's surrounded by like 60 miles of parking lots there's not there's not a lot there in Glendale but downtown Phoenix it's popping right there's Mar- wow. there's great restaurants down here Pizza Bianco uh, Lou Malnati's is here that are being bought out by celebrities. Guy Fieri's doing this huge backyard barbecue thing later this afternoon that I'm going to. Like the Super Bowl experience, I'm not going to the game. Sunday I will be at church first, and then I'll be watching the game from my. Now, why are you house. not going to go to the game? The pr- I see the pricing. I think it's, the tickets are now down to an affordable five thousand dollars a ticket. So yeah, no, it's it's five thousand a ticket. Do you know how much Uber surge pricing is going to be to get to the? Wow! No, no it's going to be a five hundred dollar drive just to get in, and it's going to be like six or seven hours to try to get around. I'm I'm good. I'm good with. I'm the assuming Super Bowl if experience. you can pay five thousand dollars a ticket, then you're not really caring too much about the nacho prices or the Uber prices. But yeah, how rich do you have to be that you would ever ever say yeah five thousand dollars a ticket? Mm-hmm. That's an expense I'm gonna. I mean, how much money? How much do you have to be worth for right. that not to even to be a decision you even contemplate making? The the school has tickets that are being used. Um, we could have entered a lottery to get them if we wanted them. So a couple of employees here got tickets to go to the Super Bowl for free because the school for had free. tickets. Yeah, for free because the school Can they had sell tickets. Them? No. Okay. Non transferable. But but okay. guess who won? Guess who won those tickets? Could it be the dean and the chief of staff? No. Weird. No, Weird. surely the dean did not win. Are you, are you telling Weird. me the dean won? Weird. So the dean weird. won. Yeah. So weird. So weird. Right. Yeah. I want a recount. I want a recount of that. Dude, we're Maricopa County. We're not really great with the recounts, okay? It's just... Yeah, somebody's looking into that. I'm kind of thinking there are maybe two different, um, yeah. you know, places where you put your ticket in. It's like, oh yeah, well, sure, put them in this bucket, also called the trash can. I'll right. make sure it gets into the right bucket right away. Right. I just I always remember from the Shawshank Redemption the part where they're picking all the guys to do roofing duty, and there's like no there's like no names in the hat, but they're like pretending to like whop around the hat, and they're like, oh, it's Andy Dufresne. Oh, it's Red. Oh, it's Johnny. You're like. That's exactly how it went down. Hey, you know what? You you, you should be going, and that way you could be broadcasting mm-hmm. live from oh my the Super Bowl. That was that. It would be an amazing experience, right. especially since my Chiefs are there. Let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. I know usually we reserve the Super Bowl for the end of the podcast but But, this is such a big deal we got to talk about it right out of the gate so many great storylines about this uh let's start with it's the kelsey bowl is that a conversation that people are talking about out there there's a lot there there's actually again out here in the experience i was walking through this morning um there's the dual kelsey shirts there's um one chiefs and one eagles okay sure and it both says kelsey on the back so it's like the Kelsey brothers shirt, like that the the shirt that his mom made popular. Their mom made popular, right? There's a there's a vendor, um, local cookie person that's doing Kelsey cookies, because okay. you know when when Kelsey's when the mom came and she like gave the boys each like a a um, Tupperware full of cookies. Like right. how whole? First off, how wholesome is Mrs. Kelsey? Right. How she's American. And you mom. know what? You know what, Chris? I don't care where you are in life, who you are. Right. No one turns down a cookie from grandma. No, no, no one does that. Not that is one bit. of life's true treasures. Right. Oh, man. That's gospel truth right there. So we need to protect Mrs. Kelsey at all costs. She's a national treasure. I do hope they uh, have her flip the coin. I know there's been some talk about oh, that. Oh, the uh, speculation. Yeah. That'd be I mean, awesome. That would be a lot of fun. That I mean, that, be... That's all that's right with sports. I mean, that's right. not, they're both rooting for each other the way they can. Right. But right. first of all, I want to know what did Mama Kelsey feed these guys growing what? up? They have two Hall of Fame big boy players. Tight, I mean, these are both players probably at the top of their position. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Good job, Mama Kelsey. Good job. Like, you know, as a parent, Joel, I have to assume every once in a while you wonder if you're doing the right thing by your kids and. If you're making the right decisions, and if this decision was better than that, Mama Kelsey nailed it every decision. Yeah, that, except that, for the that, beard. That so, 
The Kelsey Bowl obviously is going to be the thing of interest, I, and I say I let's let it. her do the coin flip. And yeah. uh, but then also here's another storyline that fascinates me. This is the Andy Reid Bowl, and I don't know if you uh, followed yes. this, but you know Andy Reid. This might be the first time in Super Bowl history. I'm not sure of this, where one coach. Mm -hmm. So we all know that Andy Reid is actually coaching against the team that mm -hmm. fired him. He was the Philadelphia right. Eagles coach for the longest time. They fired right. him. And they so did. then the Chiefs hired him within five minutes. I think he was unemployed for the shortest amount of time. Like, really? Right. You're going to fire Andy Reid? We're going to take him right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but great, great um, there, there's that. Why, why didn't they just, like, trade Andy Reid? I don't get why they just fired him out of but whatever. Can you, can you um, trade coaches? Can you, you trade can. coaches like players? Yes. In fact, there's oh. draft picks that have to go along with it. So oh. if you're under contract, like Sean Payton, just this last week, That's they right. had to give draft compensation to the team that hired him because you just can't hire away a coach who's under contract. Right. So uh, no, I guess that was a little bit of a different situation because Sean Payton then retired. But mm -hmm. if you're going to force them out, even if you, okay. they probably couldn't force them to the upper stairs, you know, to upper right. management, if you remove them, against their will from that position, then it's probably a firing and you probably could then go to another, get another job without compensation. Right. All right. But so we all know that story, but here's a story I wasn't aware of. Maybe, maybe you were Andy Reed. This might be the first time in Super Bowl history that a coach, Andy Reed is playing against a coach that he fired. So the coach for the Eagles was uh, on staff here at the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe he was, um, um, I forget the position he held, mm -hmm. but he was, uh, I think, an offensive coordinator or receivers coach or something like that for the, the Chiefs. And when Andy Reid came over here, he already had someone in that spot. And so he fired, uh, he says, his name's pronounced Cervani? Yeah. 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 He yeah. fired Nick him. Cerrone. Nick Cerrone. So Andy Reid fired that coach. And so this might be the first time in Super Bowl history where one coach is facing another coach whom he fired. Uh, what do you think this. about the Andy Reid Bowl? I I didn't even know this this line existed, but I I'm digging this. I I think that well, I like Andy Reid to begin with. He's such a wholesome guy. Um, and man, I didn't even, dude. I got nothing for this. This is just cool. Like that's just like one of those fun like Jeopardy facts where you're like, oh yes, okay. And talk about yeah. a decision that worked out well for both teams. So yes. how can the Philadelphia uh, Eagles fire one of the best coaches of all time and end up going to two Super Bowls and winning mm -hmm. one Super Bowl within a short period of time. And they're right. like, they got better by firing one of the best coaches ever. That, that's that's pretty lucky yep. in their part. I'm all I will say, it. though, the first Super Bowl that they went to post Andy Reid, mm -hmm. and, they, and they won, and, yep. and they beat the Patriots. Uh, that was actually Andy Reid's offensive coordinator. So they hired him away from Kansas City. So they probably would never got a chance to hire him if they had not fired Andy Reid. So, hey, it worked out well for both sides. All right, let, let's talk about the game. What do you think about the game? Who's going to win? Chiefs. Chiefs all day long. All right. um, I, was that a question? After, with, well, some people think it is because the spread, it goes the other way. The betting the public, the line is, I think it went up to two and a half points at one point in time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it is right now, 1. but 5. it's still, what is it? 1.5. Okay, one and a half points. The Chiefs the are still an underdog. I don't understand how yeah. the Chiefs can be an underdog here. What am I missing? I um, Hype, I guess. Uh, well, and Mahomes is playing on a bad ankle from what I was reading. There's on that. My, on my walk in, because I usually take the bus in, they had to drop us off five blocks from our normal drop-off point, again, because it's all it's all broken down. But on my walk in, there's all the giant LEDs, LCD screens and all this stuff, LED screens that are up here that are running constant stories. So I have a five-block walk now into work. The big MGM, Bet MGM tent is up, and it's running all the odds, like, you know, every five seconds. So Right, right. So, so I have all this Super Bowl knowledge walking into work today because, you know, I had to walk for five blocks. Um, all right. But Mahomes is playing allegedly, allegedly playing on a bad ankle, so that's playing into the. I think that's the biggest factor playing into the game. Okay, so we all saw that it was the Chiefs were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first mm -hmm. round of the playoffs, and he someone fell awkwardly on his ankle. Yep. Was it a dirty fall? Some people say it was. Some people say it wasn't. Whatever. Yep. Uh, immediately he was hobbling around, had to go get an X-ray done. There was a mm -hmm. very great moment there when he wanted to get back in the game. Andy Reid said, uh, "No." Not until you go get your x-ray. And so, because uh, Andy Reid wanted to make sure his star quarterback, his ankle was was okay. Right. And so, unbeknownst to Andy Reid, 
Mahomes then finally said, fine, if you're going to make me go get an x-ray, he then sprints and runs back to the locker room to get his yep. x-ray. Dude, you're trying to bum ankle. Why are you running back to get your x-ray done? But he whatever. wants to play, man. He uh, wants to win bronze his uh, Super Bowl title. Yeah, so so he saw that, and then the very next week he played against Cincinnati, and the thought was, well, he's on a, a high ankle sprain. How long will it mm-hmm. take for him to get better? Let me give you another story to put this in context. We just activated Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, one of our running backs, who has been out since week 11 due to injury. We just reactivated him so he can play in the Super Bowl. So he's been out. Since week 11. I'm not going to ask you to do the math in your head, but that's a long time, all right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire injury was? High ankle injury? High ankle sprain. Yeah. The same sprain that took our one of our best running back players out for 10 weeks, Mahomes didn't even want to miss a a minute of action. And so, yeah, Mahomes is a stud, but it's a serious injury. Can you recover from a high ankle injury sprain in three weeks? It's a fair game. I think his mo- his mobility will be limited somewhat, so maybe that's a reason. But still, it is three weeks, and that's the normal time for healing from a high ankle sprain. If it's not worse, they will wrap this thing up quite mm-hmm. a bit. So it shouldn't be a problem, and I think he should have all of his mobility. So maybe that's the reason why. I also think, Chris, there's this. The, the betting public, so as we've said many times, the line is not made. So the betting line, they didn't come up with a betting line because they thought this is the right, you know, differential mm-hmm. point for these two teams. So the F- Eagles are one half point, you know, better than the Chiefs. That's not how they come up with that line. No. no, they come up with a line based upon what line can we come up with where half the bets will come on one side right. and half the bets will come on the other. So if there's right. a national storyline that's out there that kind of sways people one way as compared to another, but it's not really a legitimate mm-hmm. storyline, then that, that plays into it. Right. And so here, what the, the American people are looking at is how badly the Eagles have obliterated their opponents here this year. Right. Would you would you agree with that? Yes. And okay. how well they performed in the um, AFC and NFC championship games. Yes. And so I think that's we... a hard comparison because the Chiefs played the Bengals. Yes. And the Eagles played a fourth string quarterback. Not even a fourth, a fifth string quarterback. They were down to their fifth. I'm going to yeah. say that um, uh, their quarterback, Purdy, who was started right. off as their their third, third, then became the fifth because he couldn't actually throw the ball. So they went right. to their four-string quarterback, who then got injured, was concussed. So they had to come back, back to, to Purdy, Purdy, who, couldn't who actually the ball. had some kind of tear in his yeah. elbow. was going to require a six-month surgery or whatever. Yeah. Could yeah. almost, yeah. No. They, and that's, that's the hard part, right? They're going to say that the Eagles are coming in on this strong level. But let's let's look at the whole season, right? Let's look at the Eagles' entire season. Who did they yes. play? The Nobody. NFC, the NFC is not a hard testing ground. If no. Brady can get into the playoffs with a losing record, and the Chiefs have like the Chiefs had to run through Cincinnati, and Cincinnati had to run through Buffalo. Like there are a lot stronger teams uh, on even Trevor Lawrence. Right? He was, you know, coming off a high with the Jaguars. They've come up and done well. They oh, they, they were came, flat then, right? Like yeah. the the AFC has a harder mountain to climb. So let's to, take to a look. Top. Let's take a look at some of the better wins and games by the Eagles this year. Because again, oh, the Eagles a vaunted defense. The Eagles right. what a great offense. Let's take a closer look. Right. I'm going to give you just a recap of the tougher games they have played as far as their opponents. Uh, the Packers they they beat the Packers, but I want you to point this. I want to point this out. Rodgers got injured during that game, so the Green Bay had to go to their backup quarterback, and still Green Bay scored 33 points against right. this vaunted defense. So that, that was probably maybe their best win, but still their opponent scored 33 points against them. Mm-hmm. Prescott, they played Dallas. Was uh, that was Dak first. out? That was like week five, wasn't it? No, the, the, they, they played whatever early on, and they actually okay. they beat Dallas's backup quarterback. Right. But then at right. the end of the year, they played Dallas again when Prescott was healthy, and That's Dallas right. whipped them up. Prescott scored – no, yeah, Prescott yeah. scored 40 points during that game. Right. Uh, so, again, this vaunted defense, they gave up 40 points to Dak Prescott. And then you had they, – they played um, – the next, the next top game was Goff. 
for the Detroit Lions. Goff scored 35 points against them. Kyler Murray, your boy there from Phoenix, scored 17 points against them. And they played Trevor Lawrence in week four of the season, but that was before the Jaguars really Really, got their feet underneath them. They they had a brand-new coach there in Doug Peterson. They really Mm -hmm. didn't know what they were doing yet. They weren't the same team at the end of the year. So that's it. Those I just told you their best performances this year. Mm-hmm. That that's, yeah. that pales in comparison to Buffalo, to Cincinnati, to, mm-hmm. to San Francisco, to all the teams with a healthy quarterback. The right. Chiefs played a much tougher schedule than mm-hmm. Philadelphia, so I think you got to be a little bit careful right. in judging both of these teams because the Chiefs definitely had a much tougher road to get mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl than the the Eagles. A hundred percent, and I think that I think that's going to be reflective in Sunday's game. I think it's going to be right. a, a thousand percent reflective because the O line on the O line and the D line for the Chiefs, are, I, I feel, is just going to dominate. Right? Jalen's going to get some yards. He's going to. I think Jalen is going to rely on himself way more than he needs to, and he's going to try to be the hero of the game. Whereas Mahomes now, is going to use his weapons. Let's talk about that because I have two different takes on the quarterback matchup. Now I, I did some analysis over the last. 20 years of Super Bowls. And generally, the team with the better quarterback, the clutch quarterback, they're going to win way more often than, than not. So I just go, I'll go over the, the last 10 years here or so. So the last year, you had the Rams and Matt Stafford over Cincinnati. Now, it was a close game, but if you remember, this was Joe Burrow's first year as a right. you know um, right. as a real a, starter there. Yep. I know he actually is rookie year. He was injured at, out in half the year. So still, that, that was a close one. The year before, mm-hmm. Brady beat Mahomes. And then, mm-hmm. uh, Arguably. Yeah the, yeah. the year before that, Mahomes beat Garoppolo. Sorry about that. I know your boy yep. there in saying. Uh, yep. But that's the situation where the stud quarterback at the end of the game rallied his team to win the year before Brady beat the Rams and who had, mm-hmm. who was starting golf uh, at the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before that Brady beat Matt Ryan for Atlanta. Uh, then Peyton Manning beat uh, Cam Newton over Carolina. And then Brady beat Russell Wilson. Uh, and then um, Baltimore, who I think had Dilfer beat the yep. 49ers starting Kaepernick. Uh, actually, I'm not sure who the quarterback was for Baltimore. It would have been probably Joe Flacco at that point in time. Yeah, so it was Joe my, Flacco. my point, yeah, my the point Niners, there is it was that the Niners Super Bowl loss. I'm well aware who that was. <laughs> You're well aware of that, right? The 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 more stud quarterback, the clutch mm-hmm. quarterback, generally wins when you're coming to the biggest game of the year mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Right. Uh, they are able to bring their rally their team together. Right. There's so much going on during the Super Bowl. You really need a general on the field, a right. coach on the field, and so that stud quarterback is able to bring that leadership on the mm-hmm. field. Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be the 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 superior. Now, we don't know yet about Jalen Hurts because he really hasn't been here on the stage. Right. So this might be his coming out moment. We really don't know, but we do know about Patrick Mahomes, and we know he will bring it. So that's why I think um, that's my, my take number one. Mm-hmm. My take number two is this. I decided to analyze the running quarterback. The running quarterback generally does not fare well in the postseason. And and I think there's a reason why. But let me just go over the stats. Again, I went over the last 20 years, so back to 2000 in mm-hmm. Super Bowls. And I, I noted every time there was a running quarterback and what happened. All right, I found four different times. Cam Newton for Carolina was definitely a running quarterback, mm-hmm. and he lost to, to Peyton Manning. Uh, Kaepernick lost to Baltimore. Kaepernick was definitely the running quarterback. Yep. Rich Gannon was the quarterback for Oakland. He lost wow. to Tampa Bay. Rich Gannon was from the Chiefs. I watched right. him up close and personal. He definitely was a running quarterback. And then before that, Aaron McNair of Tennessee lost to uh, St. Louis, the greatest show on turf. So four times you had a running quarterback over the last 20 years of Super Bowls each time the running quarterback yeah. lost. Now, Chris, I have a theory for that. But what, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that it's the big game, right? The everybody's going to be on point. You could you could do a running quarterback when you can be less. You could take more calculated risks. You can't really do that in the Super Bowl. And I mean, it's just a running quarterback shows distrust of their team, in my opinion. Right? You feel like you have to carry the team on your own, and that's not right. how you win a Super Bowl. That may win you one-offs or two-offs, but that's not winning a, a, a Super Bowl. And here, here's my take, similar to, to your take on that. And that is, it seems like during the postseason, mm-hmm. the NFL lets the players play the game a little more. The, the, yes. the, the whistle's going to be a little bit shy. 
Not, they don't want to blow the whistle to blow the the play dead. They right. want to let people hit and let the players decide the game. That being said, we're very worried about the um, uh, the referee for this weekend, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, but generally speaking, you see that reality. They, they, they swallow their whistle and they let the players decide the game. But when you have a running quarterback, what that means is they're going to hit, hit. hit a little harder. Yeah. And so when they're hit harder, they get dinged up. There's a reason why mm -hmm. running backs have such a short shelf life. When you get hit by these big boys who mm -hmm. in the NFL – it, it, it kind of disorients you a little right. bit. And when you need that general on the field there and you've been hit and pounded all game because you're a running quarterback, it just makes you that much less effective come crunch right. time. And so if this is going to be a game where they let the players play, I think that's a disadvantage to the running quarterback and it's an advantage to the quarterback who who's throwing the ball. I agree. I agree. And Mahomes can throw just about anything. Yeah. Right, he get he has got the the sidearm, the underarm, the overarm. He's got the no look. He's got all that stuff. And, and I think Mahomes is more of a seasoned quarterback. I would love to go back and look to see what the stats were on how many first time Super Bowl appearance quarterbacks win their first Super Bowl appearance. Because I'm gonna, I got to assume that's got to be a low number, right? It is. There, there is something too you learn, and, right. and if it's not just mm -hmm. a. a uh, if it's not, if it is their first year, well, probably it's not their right. first or second year because right. you you have had to be in the league a long time. Which is, well, let's let's analyze that. So Mahomes is the more experienced quarterback. Right. Also, Andy Reid is the more experienced coach, coach. and he's yep. going up against another coach who is in year two of being a head coach. Now he might be some boy genius, who knows? But the reality is, you learn things along the way, and I'm not sure this coach has really been tested yet. Because we just no. pointed out they played no one real this year. I mean, they, yeah, they played close games, but not against a, an opponent like a Joe Burrows, like a, um, uh, mm -hmm. a um, oh, um, who's the, co the, the, the quarterback for the um, um, Buffalo? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen, uh, Mahomes. They haven't played against a quarterback of, of, Brady, of that uh, uh, level. So I'm not sure the coach has really been tested on how he is going to respond so all these factors to me lead to a Chiefs victory. So I don't know what I'm missing as to why the the, the line is, is has the Chiefs being the underdog. I, it's fun. That's all it is. And if the Chiefs win by one, Vegas wins, which is not out of the question, right? Like if the Chiefs only pull it out by an extra point, the Chiefs still win. So they're predicting a close game. They're not predicting that the Eagles are going to win. They're just predicting it's going to be a very close game. Yes. Yeah. They, uh, so the, the, the Eagles are our point and a half favorite here. Yep. And, and so I, I also think that, again, talking about the betting public, they want to make sure the bets are half on one side mm -hmm. and half on the other. Eagles obviously have run rough shot over their opponents during the postseason, but come on, yeah. they played the Giants. In the Niners. They played the uh, fifth-string quarterback for the, 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 the uh, 49ers. They have not played no. real competition. They haven't. And All both season. teams have had a week off, so now the Chiefs are healthy. And I, I think this is going to be a, a win. Right. I think it's going to be convincing. I think the Chiefs are going to run away with this. Probably win by 10 points. Oh, here's one other thought That's as to hope. why I think the line is what it is. This year, the Chiefs have been horrendous as the favorites. They, they have not played well as the favorites. In fact, there was one time in here where there was a stretch of about 12 games when they were double-digit favorites. And in those 12 games where they were double-digit favorites, they covered mm -hmm. the spread one time so they are not they don't play really well as the heavy favorites so maybe that played into that as well yeah all right I totally see that any any final thoughts on on what's going on in your neck of the woods before we jump to my next topic i just it's going to be crazy because we also have a golf tournament this weekend we have the waste management you open do. here right so we have the super bowl here and we have the waste management open here it is insane right now in arizona um everybody stay home like don't come here stop stop coming here like we I got, we got nothing. I am impressed you actually went to work. I am very concerned about the golf crowd mixing with the Super Bowl crowd, and to see how how downtown Scottsdale looks tonight, tomorrow, and Friday night because it's going to be. Crazy. I would be there, man. But a I million people be. is scary. I I went to the Kansas City Royals uh, World Series parade, mm -hmm. and and after they won in 2015, and there was about mm -hmm. a million people downtown Kansas City. Yeah. That's scary. When you That's are a in a group of a million people yep. and you can hardly even walk, if you were to lose your kid, how would you ever mm -hmm. find your kid? Yep. Your cell phones aren't even working because there's too many people crowding the, the signal. It, it is a scary situation. Yep. All right. 
Now let's talk about LeBron James. LeBron James just mm-hmm. last night became the most prolific scorer in the history of the NBA. He surpassed my childhood favorite, Lou Alcindor, otherwise known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, for scoring the most points in the history of the NBA. And the media is crowning LeBron, King LeBron, as the best play, the best player ever, the best score, and there's no reference. I watched all the news this week, the, the sportscast. There's no reference to this record being bogus. And Chris, it bothers me. Uh, does it bother you, or you are you also on the King uh, James bandwagon? So I've never been a LeBron fan. I'm not a LeBron fan, but I'm also not a fan of these. Like I, you know what? The NBA has really dropped off for me. And, and I don't think for any other specific reason than I just don't like going to games. I don't like basketball. Like, it's not that I don't appreciate the athletes, right? I'm, I'm Steph Curry all the way growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been a Warriors fan my entire life. When they come to town, I try to get tickets, that whole nine. But, like, not the same passion that I have for, like, following football or baseball, which okay. baseball is my biggest, my biggest sport that I follow. I absolutely love. The NBA is just not there for me. Like, the more right. and more that they treat – like. I, there's not a lot of positive news that comes out of the NBA. So you're not right? a LeBrick fan. Um, right. I, I, I was a huge LeBrick fan. I, I was actually following his career there in high school in Akron, mm-hmm. Ohio. And when he came out, of course, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. The basketball fans were watching and following it. So I liked LeBron. But here is the big reason why I think this is a is a phony uh, accolade. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's impressive that he scored over 38,000 points. I get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here's the problem I have with records rules right. change. And so you really can't compare one generation to the next. And this one was a really big rule. The rule change right. here was huge. This is what I'm talking about. During Lou Alcindor's time, Kareem Abdul Jabbar's mm-hmm. time, Players had to play um, college basketball. And so he went to, um, I believe he had to be four, spend four years four there years. in college. Yeah. And so he went to UCLA. Oddly enough, wasn't even allowed to play his first year. That's how right. different the rules were back then. Right. If, even in the college level, you, if you came to a college, you could not play. You had to play on the freshman team. Right. But then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played his sophomore, junior, and senior year there. Right. Uh, and then he entered the NBA after four years. Chris, those are four prime years he yeah. lost. And now, right. and it's not like he wasn't playing basketball. He was saving his body. And now he was playing the rigors of a, of a schedule there. A collegiate it, it was schedule. a harder game back then, too. What's that? It was a harder, more violent game back then, too. Yeah. And so a lot more, especially being a black center. Good gravy. Yeah. So I, I, I went and I looked it up. And in his first four years, so um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's first four years, this these are were his point totals. 28 31, 35, and 30 points averaged per game. I added those up over the first four years. That would be 10,168 points. So instead of this record of 38,000 points, it would be 48,000 points. Now, that is impressive. You took four years out of Jabbar's prime scoring years. And at the beginning of your career, those are your prime scoring years. Yes, they are. Less Lest you doubt me on that, I came prepared with some nope. statistics. No, I'm there with this. King LeBron, uh, his first four years in the NBA. So right out of high school, he said, oh, uh, right out of high school, you you can't really score in the NBA. Look right. at his first four scoring years. 21, 27, 31, and 27 points per game per average. Pretty much the same as, as, as Jabbar. So, yes, mm-hmm. if you'd taken those years out, if you'd added those years back into Jabbar's total, he would have another 10,000 points. So I am calling phony on this record. I got one statistic better for you that really okay. hammers at home. How many three-pointers did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hit in his career? Yeah, zero. Two. Oh, two, really? Two. He made two three-point baskets in his career. LeBron James has over 2,000 three-pointers. Wow. So two, he, he made two three-pointers. Two three-pointers in his entire career. I wonder if they were skyhooks. Right? Maybe like buzzer beaters, right? Who knows, right? 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 But look, but Kareem made two three-pointers. Okay. And he still has a 38,000-point career, whereas yes. LeBron has hit two, I think it was like 24, 35 or something like that. Like some... It, it, 
So that's, and to your point, they yeah. changed the rules there during uh, probably at the end of Jamar's career to right. add the three-pointer three point to the line. NBA rules. Right. So that's why, he, well, that's part of the reason why he had two, right? He only played like one or two seasons with the three-point line. Right. And so he would not, why would he even develop a shot at the three-point right. line if you don't get three points? Right. Right. That would even, he wouldn't even learn that skill set right. because it wasn't an option for him. You look at the big guys today. They're mm -hmm. all shooting three-pointers. Why? It's right. one of the easier ways to get points. So right. that's why you have Kevin Durant popping threes. You have Steph. Joel Embiid can right. pop a three. All these big guys can Giannis. pop threes now. Because it's part of the game. It was not a mm -hmm. part of the game during Jabbar's years, and he never developed that shot. So I want to compare the number of baskets made by Kareem in his career versus the number of baskets made by LeBron, and that's a number I'd like to see. That, see, so when they, when these people are talking, yes, it's a good thing LeBron has scored more points. So let's go, let's note that. But then to say he it's somehow a more meaningful achievement than what um, uh, Jabbar did. No, I'm calling BS on that. I still think Jabbar, in my opinion, is the scoring champion because they took away the first four years out of his career. They changed the rule to not to add the three-point game. So, yes, you're going to get a lot more points uh, today than what Jabbar got. Mm -hmm. All right, lastly here on, on LeBron's Ooh, legacy. So I just Googled it real quick. I just Googled it real quick. LeBron that James has this. hit 13,905 baskets in his career. Okay. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is at 15,837. Interesting. So, wow. So LeBron James is 2,000 baskets less than Kareem, and that's the number I'm going to latch on to for the rest of my career. There you go. So in my opinion, my childhood hero, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right. is still the most prolific scorer in the NBA history. One right. last, And then one last part of all of this. How, ma how many games were in the NBA season when Kareem played? Versus how many games are in the NBA season now that LeBron plays? Now, I think they're similar. That, I didn't look into that. And right. I saw, I think Kareem did play some seasons at 82 games per year, right. which I think is the same uh, for the LeBron. But I wonder if that was consistent from even the very beginning right. of his career. Uh, I do know near the end, they did play 82 game seasons. But you're right. Right. D different rules. All right. One last thing on, on LeBron. And I wonder if this is going to hurt his legacy. Because I do mm -hmm. think LeBron is an amazing basketball player, one of the best of all times. Might he be the best of all time? I don't know, because here's why. I'm a huge Jordan fan. I'll always go with Jordan. But yeah. one of the reasons why Jordan, I think, is better than LeBron is Jordan also recognized he's a great basketball player, not necessarily a great GM. And LeBron doesn't know that. And so he thinks he's a great GM because he has great basketball skills. Turns out he's one of the worst general managers of all time. And oh, well. some of his insistence, his demands there as a player, mm -hmm. the, the team should have just said, no, LeBron, we're not going to do that. Let's look at the Lakers right now. The right. Lakers have no one on their team but no him and Antonio Davis, who is injured three-fourths of the time. Right. Where are all their young kids? LeBron forced him to get rid of him. He did not yeah. want to play with the young guys, so they got rid of Kuzman, got rid of Ball, got rid of all these great players that would have mm -hmm. been great role players, and it's just left with him and Antonio Davis, again, who was injured half the time. And, right. and, and then Mike or Russell Westbrook, who is now one of the worst players of all, you know, yeah. to put there with LeBron James. I have no idea how that, they thought that was going to work. Yeah. And it's blown up in their faces. They take on Russell Westbrook's huge contract. Oh gosh, and yes. that prevented them from getting um, uh, Irving this past week. So Irving went to uh, in trade to, um, uh, to, to Dallas. I have no idea how that's going to work out. So I, my point here is because LeBron has been so bad as a general manager, mm-hmm. I think that's going to impact uh, how people view his legacy as a player. He very well might have been the most dominant player of all time. Mm -hmm. He's just playing on losing teams because he's, he's he's insisted on playing general manager. Any thoughts? Well, and plus, if you play on losing teams, of course you're going to make 38 points a game. You're going to have to carry the team. Of course you're going to take all the shots. You're going to have to carry the right. team. Like, I look back at, like, the Kobe Shaq days where, yeah, Kobe is a dominant player, was a dominant player. Kobe was the the team lead, the general manager of that team, and he led them to four or five championships, right? Kobe could make the ball. He could pass the ball. I mean, he liked to be dominant, the Black Mamba mentality, like really, really laid out there.
But Kobe knew when to dish the ball as well. Yes. LeBron holds it like it is the holy grail. It is the scepter by which he rules his kingdom with, and no one else is allowed to touch it. So, yes, is he going to score all the points? Yeah, because he has to. Especially late in his career, LeBron has not been winning the last several years because he has no teammates, as you said. He, he, um, I mean, he, he scores the points. He's, right. he's getting points later on in his career, but his teams aren't winning. So what good is that? Can you imagine if the Black Mamba played on a team where he did not care about winning and he just, I just care about scoring points. How many points he would have scored? Oh, he, he would have averaged killed. 50 points a game. Minimum. Minimum. He would have averaged right. 50 points a game. Yeah. If you didn't care about your teammates. Right. And he, and he could, he could have been traded like in his time, right? He could have been traded to Memphis or to Minnesota, or to like Charlotte when they were still around, right? He could have been traded to one of these lesser teams and just dominated, right? right? For and the record, Charlotte is still around. But I, I get you're not the well, best no, because NBA Charlotte fan. moved from Charlotte to the Pelicans. They moved to New Orleans for a period of time, but he right. would have played and on then, the old Charlotte Hornets. And then they gave Charlotte another team. I think it's, it's called right. the Bobcats now, and that actually so, yeah. is Michael Jordan. He owns that team. Owns that team, right? And so it's a very interesting. Um, right. Now Michael Jordan does get to play GM, and yeah, he, he, he. I think he's proven that it was a good decision for him as a player not to play GM because he's right. made some. Yeah, well, they have not really been a factor since he right. owned the team. Exactly. All right, well, we, we have had a lot of fun talking sports, and I like I talking it. sports, but this is a legal it. podcast. So let, let's talk a little bit of law here before we sign off. Uh, first of all, the Supreme Court, not in session. They are taking a couple of weeks off. They won't be back, I believe, until February 20th. So we have a couple mm-hmm. weeks there. So we're going we're gonna to pause on any Supreme Court conversation uh, for the time being. But I just came from South Carolina. And so I went to Beautiful. New Orleans. I went up to South Carolina to teach some classes out there. And while teaching there, we were, they're talking about a case, a local case there in South Carolina. Right. And they said, oh, Shirley Joel, you've heard of it. I had not heard of it, but apparently the rest of the world, because it's being covered by all the major news stations. I am talking about the Alex Murdoch trial. And so let's talk a little bit about this murder trial here in South Carolina, because Chris, I don't get this case. This is going to be a fascinating case to follow. Now, I know murder mystery podcasts are all the rage, so maybe we should start doing it. Maybe we should start doing it with this case. I don't know how this case is going to turn out. So let's just unpack some of the facts. So first of all, Alex Murdoch, who is he? He is a lawyer. Uh, he was apparently a very rich lawyer. He would live yeah. on 1,700-acre property in Islandton, South Carolina. And be? he also got into some trouble with some funds. And was he taking stealing money from clients and, and whatever? He got into some issues where I think he was down $8.5 million, something like that. And there were some investigations into him. So that, yeah. let's just set that to the back burner. But just know that Alex Murdoch had some real financial difficulties in the you know, devastating amount of uh, area of mm-hmm. numbers. Okay. Then on June 7th of 2021, his wife, Maggie, 52 years of age, and his son, Paul, 22 years of age, were both shot dead right there on their, their property. He's getting 1,700 acre property in Islandton, South Carolina, and their bodies were found right by their dog kennels on the land. Now that was in June, on June 7th of 2021. So we have all these horrible murders. They did not have a suspect or they did not bring charges against anyone for well over a year. Well, then it turns out in July of 2022, they did make an arrest. Who did they arrest? The husband, yeah. Alex Murdoch. Now, the first thought here is, why? Right. Why would he kill his wife and his 22-year-old son for no apparent reason? Chris, I know in murder cases, you don't have to prove motive. No. But do you still have to prove motive? I mean, do you not have to at least convince a jury of normal people that... Yeah, that's not what people do. They don't just don't go murder their wife right. and their adult son for whom you have a good relationship with. It wasn't yeah. like he was planning a divorce. It wasn't like his he hated his son and son. I don't know. You know, this was he loved both of them apparently. Allegedly, uh, allegedly, right? allegedly there was right. no indication that you know, he guilty. hated them. Right. I mean, so, it's it's hard because jurors, normal, reasonable, everyday. Joes and Janes um, want to know why. 
Why right. what what why would you snap all of a sudden? What's what's causing this issue to you know, from from the outset, I mean, and you have a lot of leeway in a murder trial, right? There's some stuff that you do motion and eliminate, and for those at home, that means there's some stuff that the lawyers talk about before the trial that doesn't get to be presented to the jury. Um, like if you had a domestic violence issue or something to that effect, right? That may that may prejudice the jury. Um, but you get a pretty clear picture of what what's going on with them, and so um, you know it's it's hard to figure out what they're doing. Um, yeah. But there just doesn't seem to be any apparent motive. I, don't, I think whatsoever. you practice a little bit in criminal law, but don't jurors need to, to understand the why? I mean, especially yeah. when you got a circumstantial case. Now, let's say you have a case where it's eyewitness, you have direct testimony, whatever. You have this person mm-hmm. who killed the person. You got gun residue on their hands or you have direct sure. evidence, something like that. That's a different story. But if there's, if it's a circumstantial case, yeah. do you not need to know something. the why? Yeah. Uh, that, I mean that's that's ninety percent of it, right? If you can, if you can put the person with motive, means, and opportunity, that's the big three to to be able to convict somebody of murder without like directly saying I saw Joel pull the trigger, like I was standing there, Joel pulled out his gun and he pulled the trigger. No, you need motive, means, and opportunity, and we're lacking some of that here. Right, and, I, and so we're, we're following this this trial, and so far it, it's been very captivating. There was a Snapchat video that was done, I think, two hours before, mm-hmm. where the dad and the son were there together like laughing. Yeah, so it's not like it's a tense situation. So, but then there was a yeah. Snapchat right before the alleged murders, which um, you know, where where the son was actually mm-hmm. taking a picture of his dog because everyone loves pictures of yeah. the dogs i guess that's how things go viral and and in this video you actually can hear allegedly the dad and the mom in the background so they're all just talking uh, at least yeah. that's the evidence was that that was the dad's voice right. and and then there's also though um uh, the the dad said no he was nowhere near the kennel he'd never been to the kennel that day so you have a little bit of inconsistency Lies. was that really his voice it right. sure sounds like his voice, but there's going to be some ID issues, I assume, yep. as to some other, it might not be his, his dad's voice. Uh, and so, um, but maybe he was caught in a lie. There's also an argument that maybe these cell phone tower records aren't the best. So again, his cell phone was there near the kennels at the time in question. So that's going to mm-hmm. pin him there. But there's also another uh, cell phone tower record that shows the wife's phone is being ditched a mile away at the exact same time. Well, how can you have both at the exact same time? That's a little odd. So fascinating trial. And we are going to follow this trial uh, as it goes on again. It's in the Mm -hmm. middle of trial right now. We're going to pick up right into it. And maybe next week we'll actually dig into the facts a little little more. um, uh, Because it's a fascinating case. I just learned about it on my way through South Carolina. Hey, I'm going back to South Carolina in a couple of weeks. I love it. We should stop by and watch the trial. There you go. Live from the trial. I'll do live from the Super Bowl. You do live from the trial. I would, I would rather switch places. I, yeah, I think I get, I win that one. But, right. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, any, any parting words here before we sign off for the day? Uh, everybody just be safe out there. If you're here in Arizona, if you're listening to us and you're here, like, just be safe this weekend. Have a great weekend. May, make sure that you, you root for the Chiefs, the, the one true team. That should win the uh, Super Bowl this year. That's right. Go Chiefs is is the final word there. And so let's mm-hmm. just let's root for Chiefs. I think we all can agree the nation would be a much better place. Chris, I I gotta have to pause and back up here. We have a little bit more time. I know I gave you the parting word because I I need to scroll down on my notes. I think we should just give a couple of comments as to what we saw going on last night. Do you, do you have a couple of minutes? I do. I do. I have always have a couple minutes to review the now, State of the Union. I know you are a State of the Union fan because Huge. you are a lover of comedy and you mm-hmm. like to watch comedy. And so you you watch this last night. I have indigestion issues and I have a hard time watching the State of the Ooh. Union. And oh, so yeah. someone asked me yesterday if I was going to watch it. And I said, heck no, am I going to watch the State of the right. Union? Because I can't, I can't stand it. I think the last one I watched was done by Ronald Reagan. I oh. will read about it the next day because I like mm-hmm. to, I, I go to uh, Fox News. And then they go to MSNBC, and I go, "Wow, were they even watching the same event? Because they're not they're not relaying uh, the, the same story." Uh, Chris, what was your take on the comedy, otherwise known as the State of the Union? One, first and foremost, the State of the Union could be like a thirty minute thing if people stopped clapping. Like every, it's like a high school graduation speech. Like everybody gets an applause, everybody gets to stand up, everything gets to 
gets to um, do everything. They just sit there and they just clap all day long. Like, it's laughable. Like President Joe Biden, full round of applause. President of the United States, full round of applause. Supreme Court. Series, and I love it. I love it how one side stands up and claps. The other side is like sitting down there on their hands. It's just a funny right. spectacle. Right. And then, and this has been more prevalent, I think, in recent years, is the heckling from the the crowd from the the members of congress to whatever sitting president's there i mean the democrats did it the republicans do it i think the heckling makes all of us look like we're dumb it makes it it, it embarrasses america when we're heckling out there it embarrasses oh, wait us a second if it's good enough at the comedy club why can we not do it at the state of the union do they think right. better than us are you better than us there's a reason why me? the court jester is not the king of the kingdom like the point of the court jester, the point of the comedian. And actually there was a movie um, with Robin Williams called Man of the Year where he was a comedian, like a daily show host, and he ran for president right. and he won. And he gives this great speech that is really important for people to realize is that we have comedians like Dave Chappelle, like yourself, like Robin Williams, or like Jon Stewart, like that criticize the establishment in a funny way to keep them on their toes. That is the point of the comedian is to be able to take hard issues and offensive issues and difficult issues and make people laugh about them. Whether you like it or whether you like how Dave Chappelle is going about doing it or Joe Rogan or any of these other comedians out there um, that are trying to do this, that's the point of the court jester is to make fun and to make light of everything. And there's a time, place, manner for that. The State of the Union is not the time for the president, the leader of the free world, the arguably most powerful person on the planet, to engage with a member of Congress that is elected for two years by 70,000 people and somehow elevate them to the same level as you, right? It's like – it would be like Joe Frazier going to like a high school gym and trying to box somebody. Like you don't do that. You, you own the fact that you're champion of the world and you let them be mouths in right. the corridor. You don't there's give them saying, credence. It's there's horrible. There's a saying I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this saying. The saying in the Midwest says you never get into a mud fight with a pig because you're both going to get dirty and the pig is going to enjoy it. So, so right. why would Biden get in a mud fight with a pig? Not, not calling anyone, right. anyone pigs. Right. But no, it's the analogies there, right? So Biden and Marjorie and, and Large Marge out of Georgia got into a heckling match mid State of the Union. Joe, Joey. Grandpa Joe, Uncle Joe, whatever you want to go by right Grandpa now, Joseph. Joe, I like that. Grandpa Joe, Robinow, Biden the third. Like, do I need to go to your full legal name like your mother would do and say Wilson, you? Yeah. yeah, you are like out of her league. You are there proposing what your agenda is going to be for the next twelve months. Stop with the heckling. Also, members of Congress act like you're an elected member of Congress. Okay, and, and I'm talking to you two Democrats because you guys did it with Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi ripped up the piece of paper. Act like an adult. Adults are in the room. Like this is, is serious. That time life. now past us. Yeah, it's it's never going to be past us because I hope not. because now the story is Marjorie Taylor Greene, Loan Brobert, George Santos, and the heckling of Joe Biden. The story is not what policy things did Joe Biden announce during the State of the Union. What what sort of things did he talk about when it came to like the green new deal or rolling back emissions or what his policies are going to be with foreign conflict now, or what's going on with the war in Ukraine. Like none of that is being talked about because we're Not, too busy worrying about freaking Marjorie Taylor green, walking around a spy balloon around the halls of Congress yesterday. Okay. I got to ask gold. you, uh, you're right. Gold. We're not, we're not talking about policies. We're talking about more important things. So I want to know mm -hmm. from you what is the more important thing. Is it the um, the fact that she went walking around with a big old balloon saying there's nothing to see here? Or was it the affair that we saw take place oh, with yeah. Joe Biden's wife? What's the bigger oh. scandal here? Ooh, I'm going to go with the, the affair. The affair is the <laughs> much bigger. I mean, first gentleman and first lady. Is this the first affair? Is that what we're calling this now? Is this is this affair gate? It had to be a fair game. So explain what happened. So Jill Biden, uh, first lady, obviously, and Doug Ermoff, first gentleman, obviously, um, were greeting each other at the State of the Union. They both went in for the kiss on the cheek, but they both leaned the same direction. Allegedly, allegedly. went for the kiss on the cheek. Okay. Allegedly for the kiss on the cheek. Whatever. Joel we likes don't to know. think they were, Yeah. So they were both going in for a, a traditional greeting of a kiss on the cheek, and they both just turned their heads just perfectly and right on the lips. I don't know. I think I might have saw a tongue. I'm telling you, if you blow it up, you might. Right, right, right. And 
look, let's be honest. I would much rather make out with Doug Ermoff than Grandpa Joe. <laughs> Doug is a wow. handsome man. Wow. Doug is a handsome, handsome man. This is controversy. This is, is controversy right it is. here. It's, it's they went in for the sideway kiss, the cheek kiss, but they got a little too close. Right. Their lips locked Look, right there. And polyamorous no. relationships are becoming more and more a thing here in society. Like, who are we to decide love is love, right? If that's the, if that's what their marriage is about, so be it. So be it. I, I didn't Good know what for to them. say about that. Good. All love right. is love. We all just there want to go. be part of the magic, Joel. We have the Murdoch murders, we have the Super Bowl, and we have the affair gate happening at oh, Tungate. Was there a little, what was the motive Ooh, there? Was it right. really uh, a sideways cheek kiss gone awry? Right. Or were they going and they just forgot? Oh, we're in front of national TV, <sighs> global TV. In front right. of everybody. <laughs> so that being said, now I will let you go. Have a great week. Go out there and say hi to the Kelsey brothers. Say, eat some of Mama Kelsey's cookies, and we will see you next week. See you, Joel. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.